This morning, I entitled my message, um, Planted, Not Buried. And uh, I, I really need you just to, to focus on what I'm saying this morning, because I really believe it's a word that's been seen for many of you. And I really do believe they're coming to a real season of, of God going to pour out, you know, something special in your lives. And something special in the life of the church. God's been good to us. The guys must pop around to feast come. Those walls are probably three quarters away. My mark, three quarters away. You haven't been for a while, eh? Bad person. Um, now, Jackie. It's, uh, yeah, we, we're probably looking at throwing a floor in the middle of July. So, yo, we, um, we're on track, eh? We're on track. God's good. We have the scripture that we often read, and not just read, but we often like to quote the scripture. And in this quoting the scripture this morning, I want you to, to be honest, not just with me, but be honest with yourself. It's a very well-known scripture. And it's found in John 10, 10. And I want you to turn there this morning, and I'm going to read it to you. And we all should know this off by heart, the scripture, because we use this often. But John 10, 10 says a very simple thing. And Jesus says this, he says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. In the New Living Translation, it goes like this. He says, the thief's purpose, the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus responds and then he says, and my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The TAP, the Passion Bible says this. He says, the thief has only one thing in its mind and he wants to steal, to slaughter and to destroy. But I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. And that's from the Amplified and the, the Passion. I'm going to read that to you and then again. It says, but I have, uh, sorry, uh, the thief has come, only uh, uh, one thing on his mind is to steal, to slaughter, and to destroy. But I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness, until you overflow. The problem, thank you for that one amen, thank you. Somebody is awake. Somebody has been watching the Russian crisis and not sleeping last night. I can see it. The problem with church life is this, is that we all live in that first phase. We all live in that first part of the scripture. And we can all quote that first part of the scripture. The enemy comes to rob, to steal, and to destroy, or to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But if I had to ask you this morning, if I had to ask you guys this morning, that very simple truth, and it's this. How many are you are living in everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness, until it's overflowed in you? How many of us are living that life? And yet, Jesus says, there were two purposes that came into the world. The one purpose the enemy brought in, to rob this and to destroy us, but that's the only purpose he had is like, Jesus said, but I, my only purpose that I have is to come and give you life, life in fullness and the abundance in more than you expect. And as believers, isn't that 
the promise that you and I should be living in? But we're not. How many of you, and don't put up your hand, but how many have prayed and it just feels like the prayer's not going right now? How many feel that your life is just stagnant at the moment, it's going nowhere? Your Christian life is just, well, just more existing than living in the fullness of God. And somewhere along the line, we somehow lose hope. We lose hope because our prayers won't be answered immediately. We lose hope because we want God to do things and we want Him to do it now. And there's a plan and a purpose that we expect Him to do it in. But more than that, the life and abundance and fullness that you and I often relate that fullness and life and everything that God wants to give us to our bank accounts. You can say, oh, shame, oh, amen, one of the two. <laughs> but isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth, whether you and I like it or not? There's a big difference, me preaching up here with a million rand in the bank and me preaching up here with a million rand there. There's a big difference of me saying that I'm living in the fullness of God when I'm looking at the finances and what comes in, but I'm not looking at the blessings of God and what God really wants to do in and through your life. And right in the beginning of time, right, right in the beginning of Genesis 1, we got read here the word says that He created the heavens and the earth. He created all seed bearing fruit. He created male, female, he, he created it all. In the garden, in this place where he believed that the people that we create would, would strive and, and be in joy and living in the moment and in the blessings and in the favor and in, in the blessing, everything of God has for you. That was God's vision for Adam and Eve. That that was the fullness of life that God had for them. That God would meet them in the still of the night. And God would walk with them in the still of the night. And they would have fellowship one to another. And, and they would just enjoy what God was doing. And even right there, John 10, 10 almost relates all the way back there. Where the enemy comes to Eve and says to Eve, Really? Like, is this all worth it? Like, I've got more. There's more than this for you. There's more than this for you. And you know what happens when there comes more? This is the trick of the enemy. This is the deceit of the enemy. This is the lie of the enemy. That even Abraham and Sarah, they were promised, promised this beautiful gift of a son. But you know, she was in her 90s and he was in his 90s. And the enemy comes along and says, Really? Do you really believe that God can use you? Do you really believe that God can bless you? Do you really believe that you can be the father of nations? Do you? Do you really believe God on His Word? And all of a sudden, there's this promise. There's the seed of the promise that God gives to Abraham. And I'm going to jump around, so just bear with me. But you see, sometimes in our life and in church life, we just feel that the promise just takes too long. I, I want a church. Yeah, I want peace come to happen 10 years ago. 
I want to meet my perfect partner now. I, I want money in the bank. Ten years ago, ten years ago, last month, the same thing happened to me. Ten years ago, we were sitting across the road in March, the 4th, on our birthday. And in that service, I announced to the church that we had bought Eastcombe. And not just bought Eastcombe, but we were meeting in the Italian club, and we had bought Eastcombe, and we had another massive house in Carrington Road, that was where we would have all our youth and service and everything. And the promise was there, the promise that like, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this church an oasis. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it a piece of fertile land, barren, fertile piece of land in a barren country. This is, this is actually, you've got to understand. You've got to understand, 13 to 10 years ago, we were packed, we were out of space. Our 10th anniversary, we hired out the Running Waters Conference Center to have our meetings. We had 25 life groups when we moved in here with 32 people in our worship team. And here I was on this journey, this promise that God had prepared for me. And, and 10, 30 years down the road, you know, things were great. And tell myself, we're traveling, we were ministering in Germany, we were in Belgium, we were in Kiev, in Ukraine twice, we were in Kenya twice, ministering the word of God all over the world. I mean, does life get better than that, you know? Does life get better than that? We were sent by the church on our 21st wedding anniversary to a cruise they paid for us. My daughter was sponsored to go to England on a <coughs> quiet tour. My son was fully sponsored in motocross. He had a van, he had bikes, he had everything. Given to him for everything. Life was just good. The good was charging towards this promise. And then all of a sudden, this phone rings. And I make a decision. And I make a decision that Abraham, I mean, Isaac was just going to take too long. <coughs> but maybe Ishmael. Maybe Ishmael would make it happen. We all know the story of Abraham. That he was not prepared to wait for Isaac because I said it was just not for me pregnant. What happened? The word says that he went and slept with a concubine and he had a son called Ishmael. Ishmael was not the son of promise. Isaac was the son of promise. And we forget about the son of promise because the enemy comes and says, Hey Mike, really? Really? Is this what God has for you? Really good? Are you going to wait another 15 years? Someone's just phoned you, giving you a church baldy? Little do I know it was the hardest 10 years of my life. I was just about to enter you. Must I tell you why? Must I tell you why? Let me explain to you why. You see, this is a fruit. <coughs> but it's a lady, no, no, no. You see, the thing about this fruit is this. That this is not just a fruit, but this is a promise that I'm holding right here. You see, the, the skin on the outside, more than protect the fruit that's on the inside, this displays what is on the inside. You see, the outside tells me what is going to, what the seed inside this thing can reproduce. And guess what? And the outside of every fruit or vegetable will tell me when it's ripe and when it's not yet ripe. But when I take this thing out, open it, there's, there's a seed inside you. 
but more than the seed first there's a pit and inside the pit is the seed and the seed holds everything pertaining to this line the size of the tea the amount of fruit it will bear the taste of this thing what it would look like where it even the DNA of this would even tell you probably where this tree was originated and where it came to South Africa or where it's from in the world. You see, and at that time, the outside was good because the outside displays what's happening on the inside and all the enemy was doing was this. He was just polishing her satin. Man, I was just looking good, eh? I was like, oh, all over the world. I beg you to stand down. Yeah, there's some celebrity weddings and funerals. I was out there. I was out there. I was on TV. People from BBC in the world and, and CNN calling me on the phone when you speak to me. And the enemy comes and says, Ray, you're going to wait that long? But I said, why don't you just grab your smile? You see, the problem is this. Is that the minute that we're walking in the blessings and the favor of God, whether we like it or not, whether we can see it or not, we like those men of Amaz, that Jesus walks with us even though we don't recognize him. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you something. I want to tell you. I don't care where you walk in life. I don't care who you are. Every now and again, just stop. And just know this, that you might not see it, and it might not look like it, it might not feel like it, but the word of God said that he's never left you, and he's never forsaken you. Through your valleys, he's there. On the mountaintop, he's there. In your bad decisions, in your bad choices, he is there. And you know what happens? The minute I let go of the things of God and I grab hold of Ishmael, the very thing that shows people who I am, you know what it does? It starts to run away. And the more I leave this on the shelf, this thing becomes nothing but a pile of pips. The skin rots away. And in the pip is the fullness of this plant. You see, when God created Adam and Eve, He said, let's create them, flesh of our bread, bone of our bone. And He made them in the image of God. And the Word of God says that the enemy came and lied to Eve. And we can go turn to Genesis. Let me read it to you, otherwise you guys are not going to believe me. But the Bible actually says these things. So I want you to turn to Genesis. My alarm is falling all over the place here. Where are we, Genesis? Let me find it. I had to write down here in case. So Genesis 3, I'm just going to give you a little brief down, breakdown. I'm going to be, I'm going to tell you now, I'm going to be 10 minutes longer this morning. So find your pizza buddy snack, but we'll be a little bit late. All right? Don't start to hold on to your thing, because I need to get this through to you. But we all know that the serpent was more cunning than everything else. And the word of God says that he came to Eve and told Eve all these things. And Eve and Adam, they grabbed this thing and they eat all the fruit. Verse 7 says that then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. 
all right? They were naked and that they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves a covering. What happened? That the minute they disobeyed God, who they were, started getting peeled away. And as they started getting peeled away, they started now to look for someone to cover themselves with How are we going to do this? What? Do it something. Wait, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to praise God more. I've got to to go to church eight times a week now. And we just never find that again. And you know what happened at the minute? The minute that I stepped out of the will of God, the enemy was standing right there. And the minute that I stepped out, he went like this. He thought he'd buried me. But I've got to tell you something quickly. That you can never, ever, ever bury a seed. You can only plant it. So the word of God says, God says to them, and he heard the sound of God walking in the, in the garden. I mean, just think about this verse 10. He said, and I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because we were naked and I hid. And the word goes on and the word God speaks then to Satan. And he says to him, because you have done this, you're more cursed than all cattle. No more than every beast of the field on your belly, you shall go. And you shall eat dust. And all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. You're going to get this. Women don't carry seed, men carry seed. But remember Mary, who didn't need a man's seed. Because she was carrying no seed. How's that? That God speaks about Jesus in the beginning of time. He says, women carry carry a seed. Men carry seed. Women don't carry seed. Women carry eggs. And so we can realize something that, that everything that God has given me, there is a promise in me and there is a purpose in me that God has. From the time that I was formed in my mother's womb, as much as God gave me an exterior and God gave me a spirit and a soul and a mind and a heart and a set of lungs, He gave me a purpose as well. What? Jeremiah 29 says we have the purpose of the experts. But not just a purpose, He's given me promises. You see, the problem is, is this, that often that we think that we are buried when we don't realize that we've been planted. You see, many of you have been living a buried life right now. You don't know if there's hope. You don't know if there's a future. You don't know if things are going to work out for you. You've been in the church seven years and God's not using you. You've been in the church ten years and God hasn't used you. I've said everything and God's not opening up doors for me. I've done music courses. Why isn't God using me? Come on, come on, somebody preach this morning. Somebody put up their hand. This is not just me that's journeying this thing. You're journeying this thing. You all become despondent. Where's my breakthrough, God? Where's my financial? Where's my healing? Where's my deliverance? And the more we push God, the more we see the unrighteous prospering. And we ask God, why? Why are they prospering? They're not prospering, they're financially gaining. There's a difference between the presence of God and money. And we've got to get this into our head this morning. And so there's a seed that's planted. But you know that God allows the enemy to plant us at times 
and you would think that Satan by now would have learned that that doesn't matter. You know, I know that because he put Joseph in a hole once and he went from the pit to the palace. There was a man by the name of Lazarus that was a really good friend of Jesus that Satan buried him once as well. And Jesus said, no, no, no. That seed is still alive. That seed is still alive. When they came to Jesus and said, what is dead, he must be smelling like Jesus said, simple thing that we've got to understand. As much as I can resurrect the man that has been died three days later, my I myself, three days later, will be resurrected. That if the seed in man cannot be destroyed, the seed that I am in me is not going to be destroyed either. You see, we get excited about the, the crucifixion. We get excited about the beating. We get excited about him dying. Let me tell you something. The greatest thing, the greatest thing in the Christian belief system is the fact that he walked out of that tomb. That thing that was buried, that seed rose again. Do you know how that seed rose? Why? Because the shell was broken in the tomb. You see, as much as you and I love this, that inside this is a pip. And that pip is just a holding place for everything that this thing is. It's not the seed. It's not the seed. It's the holding place. It's the holding place. Have you taken a peach pup before you can put it on the windowsill? Any pup, peach, pumpkin pup, everything. You can put it on the windowsill. That's not the seed. The seed is inside of that pup. And you might be in a holding space right now. You might be in a holding space right now. God, where am I? Where's the prophetic? I know I'm prophetic. I'm not pastoral. God, why have I been sitting here seven years? Eight years, ten years, twelve years. Why aren't you using me? Why aren't you using me and exceeding above me more than I can ever imagine life? I'm praying. And know what you do at times? You say, well, it's my fault. I did this. Joseph did nothing. And he was buried. Lazarus did nothing. And he was buried. Jesus did nothing. And he was buried. You see, the fact is this, that there's a difference in our mind that happened when we start to realize that we were not ready for to be part of this. And let me tell you something, I can look at those incredible pups that I've got in my windowsill. And I can stare at them, but they will produce nothing until they hit the soil. It will not grow on my windowsill. We don't like the soil living. We don't like to be buried. We don't like to be in the season of hiddenness. We don't want to be in a season where God's not answering our prayers and our business is not functioning and our marriage is not better the way it should be and, and I'm still driving an old car. We don't like, but in that dark space, in that miserable space where the enemy thinks that he has destroyed us, let me tell you something, that God uses the very soil to start to nurture the holy place of that and I want to tell you something that even in that soil, it doesn't matter how dark it is, how desolate it is, how wet it is, how damp it is, guess what? As long as that shell is there, that group is safe. Oh, oh. You see, there comes a day. There comes a day when the seed has to come out. 
The problem is this, is that, that so often the pit takes so long to come out of a holding space because it doesn't realize it's value. You see, the one pip, the one pip, one of these pips that are in here, can produce a harvest that will run from generation to generation to generation. I'm going to plant this one pip and dress what I'm going to blow a line tree. And the word of God says every seed that's planted will return 60, what, 46, uh, 160, 30 fold. So I'm going to take this pip and I'm putting the grounds. And the aces probably was my little pip. And I put that pip in the ground. And in a few years time, you know what happens? That tree starts to grow. And all of a sudden that tree produces 200 more little limes. 200 more promises. 200 more potentials. 200 more spiritual believers ready to save for the blood of Jesus. And those 200 believers take a pip each and they plant it. And all of a sudden we've got 20,000 trees growing, producing 2 million pips. And all sorts of this guy. This guy. You might take care of this guy. That in the next 15 years I can produce so many lives that every one of you have on your table. See, but this line means absolutely nothing until I plant it. Because he's got to go through a process. He's got to go through a process where the outside, the me, the pride in me has to die. All the things that I produce and all the juice and all the things that I've done dry up. And all of a sudden we end up with just this pit. And the pit makes you guys so despondent that you don't like the pit. We don't like to be in darkness. We don't like the struggle. The problem is, this, is that we don't realize our potential. Because you're not, you have to be a pit. You have to produce. You're not have to be a pit. You have to be carrying a promise. Come on. How many of you got prophetic words here that haven't been opened yet? How many of you are waiting for the prophetic word? How many of you believe that God has called you to ministry, to prophetic, to pastoring? How many believe that you're carrying the gift of God in your life, but it's just not happening? Come on, how many? And how many are on the windowsill? And how many are been planted and buried? We ate it. And now the problem is, with this little seed, that even though it's in the ground and it's, it's horrible and it's cold and it's miserable up there, you know the only thing, you know, the only thing that causes that seed to grow is when that seed realizes its own potential. And you know what? He sits in that jacket, that little shelf, that little holding space for 10 years. And let me tell you, in five years, four years, I don't know. But nothing changes until you wake up one day and realize space is too small for me. <laughs> hey? The space is too small for me. The space is not enough for me. God has a bigger purpose. God has a bigger plan. God has a bigger calling on my life than being a pup or being a seed. There's something more to this. You see, we want society, 
We want something they call fast fruits. Speak to the businessmen here. South Africa, you know, we want to start a business tomorrow and have a BMW next week Wednesday and by next week Friday a house in Love Bar Heights and then bankrupt by the end of next year. We want, we want to get radically saved right now and change the world and preach the gospel and go to the ends of the earth. Let me tell you something. When God saw 10 years ago, what a stupid decision I made. You know what he said to me? Boy, you're not ready for what I have for Aces. There's a season that I may have to put some things in you. There's a season where I have to take some things out of you. There's a season where I'm going to have to grow you. That as a leader, something needs to give. You're going to have to feel pain. You're going to have to experience pain. You're going to have to experience loss. You're going to have to experience heartache. But what I'm bringing you into, you're not prepared for yet. You see, I wish I knew those 10 years ago. The truth is, only two weeks ago, I realized where I am right now. I spoke to my neighbor on the farm. We just bumped each other and we started chatting. And he was just saying, wow, the building's looking amazing, Kurt. You know, this is good, eh? He says, how long has this been a dream? And I said to him, 10 years, man. I mean, man, 10 years. He goes, no, no. How long has this been a dream? For how long have you carried the promise? I said, 23 years. And God, he says to me, and he's, he's, he owns nurseries, and he says to me, I've realized something, that things that take long to grow, there's a reason why a pine tree matures at 25 years old, okay, and an oak tree only starts getting classified at 400 years old. In my BC days when I was a policeman, I went to one of these national forests and I saw the yellow tree. I'll pay for the cow, sorry, I want to say the cow. <laughs> but I stole the yellow tree in this forest. It was just, there were thousands of them, and there's no one was like this one. And I brought all the way, I'm not even going to, all the way back from where I stole it. And I planted it in that yard of mine. This year, for about 15 years, that yellow tree probably grew so much. <laughs> Uh, the other trees I was cutting down, I was pulling them out already. Like, they were taking over the yard. But as Yellowwood tree, he just stood there by himself and he just took his time. Eh? Just took his time growing. And we all know that there's nothing more majestic than a big Yellowwood tree when it's fully grown. He didn't want to rush. He didn't want to be a Brazilian pepper that grows five years, you've got to throw it away. And this is the problem we've got. This is, this is where we are. We want those fast fruits, you know. God, do something radical in my life right now. God, turn things around in my life right now. God, you've got to do what you need to do quickly. Because things need to happen. And you might feel, you know, that you've been buried for a long time right now. You might feel that, you know, maybe God's not answering your prayer. Maybe God doesn't care about you. Jesus says this crazy thing in Matthew 13, and he says this. 
He says, and the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and a great multitude were gathered around him. So they got into the boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And he sowed some seed that fell on the wayward, and the birds and, and, and devoured, came and devoured them. And some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And immediately they sprang up because they had no depth in the earth. They had no roots. But when the sun was up and they scorched them and they became, had no roots and they withered away. And some fell amongst thorns and sprang up and choked them. And others still fell on good soil and yielded a crop some 160 and 30 fold. You as a year, let him hear, said Jesus. He said, he said unto them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but that it has been given unto you. And he speaks about us. He speaks about how Jesus sower. He's not the funeral undertaker. He's not the guy that bears. Jesus is the sower. That if you are in Christ, he will sow you. He will not bury you. Even though sometimes burial and planting feels like the same thing. Sometimes burial and planting seems like the same thing. It feels like the same thing. It smells like the same thing. You see, the only difference between a burial and a planting is this, that you cannot resurrect something that hasn't got life in it. But you cannot deny a seed growth. I can plant a BMW in the soil right now, and guess what? That BMW is not going to produce of its own kind. Why? Because it's got no seed. You can have a multi billion rand business. If you plant that business in the ground now, it's not going to do anything. Oh, but you take a little bit of seed you got, that little bit of faith you got, that little bit of love for Jesus, that little bit of love for people. Understanding the gospel, understanding salvation, understanding what he has done. And you just let him bury you and say, God, oh, it doesn't matter how long it takes. Oh, but I don't want to be a blue combo and blow. I need to be an oak tree. I need to be an oak tree. If you need to keep me down there a little bit longer, then you keep me down there a little bit longer. But there's coming a day in your life where you're in that shell, you're going to become so frustrated. You see, the problem is this is that often when we bury, one, we think it's our fault, and two, we need to do something, or three, we just get angry with God. So many of us leave the faith in our season of planting. Why? Because we just don't believe that God's here. Why does God let me go through this that I'm going through? What if I say to you, what if every devastating event in your life has made you who you are today. Hey? Every hurt, every friend that's walked out on you, every ministry that's criticized you, your parents that told you you're worth nothing. What if all those things brought you to this place? And we try all the things of the world, we try all the money and the cars and the drugs, and we try all that stuff. Because somewhere along the line, we, we want that peace in us. And, and yet the peace is only found in Him. You might be right where God needs you right now because He sowed you. 
And yes, you've seen your friends prosper and get BMWs and cars and houses and all this kind of stuff, and, and you think, God, what is happening to me? You just wait a little bit longer. Just wait a little bit longer. You're an oak. You're not a Brazilian pepper. You're an oak. Just, just, just relax. Just relax. Nothing has gone wrong with that seed in you. Ah, oh, but I've messed up. You don't know what I've done. Yeah, we know. We know. We know. But we don't care. The fact that you're sitting here matters. Amen. The fact that you've been planted here matters. The point that you prepare to grow here matters. I did this really stupid thing the other day, which I often do. <laughs> but I, um, I, uh, I was in the space where I'm, I'm going to grow chilies now. I'm going to grow chilies and then give me some chilies and chilies from other ladies in the church and I get from my brother and, and I've got all these seeds on the windowsill and I'm, they're all drying and I'm ready. And all of a sudden I realize something. I didn't know which is which. <laughs> they just, all, this, all the chili pups look exactly the same. I don't know what is habanero. I don't know what is bird eye chili. I don't know what is this. I don't know jalapeno. I don't know what a poppy. I know. All I know is I've got a shelf full of seed. And you know what that funny thing is? I've got a church full of seed as well. And I don't know what any of you are. I don't know if you're a habanero. I don't know if you're a jalapeno. I don't know because all I see is seed that all looks the same through Christ Jesus. Only you and God knows the potential that is in you. Only God knows the potential that He wants to use you for. And let me tell you something that, that, that a fruit like this doesn't just produce so that Stephen can eat it. God created this in the generation to meet Stephen. Yes. Are you a generational seed? Or are you now seed? Are you lost in fruit or are you lost fruit? Are you buried or are you planted? You see, all those things you need to decide. Because when I was preparing this message, I had a prophetic picture of jumpsuit seeds just starting to break the ground. And as that little seed, that little leaf just comes through the, the ground, it's just the heat of the sun is just hitting at you. And I think that seed must be thinking, wow, it's been a cold winter down there. It's been a cold 10 years down there. But I tell you something, that when you break the ground, guess what the first thing is that you see? Is the sun. The first thing your spirit sees is Jesus. Yes, you've been buried for a while, and planted for a while. But it's your season. It's your season. It's your season to break free. It's your season to step out. It's your season to say, Father, I want to thank you today that I choose to believe that I am planted and that I am not buried. 
Father, I choose to believe in the promise and the purpose and the plan that you have for me. And yes, Father, I might have grabbed a hold of Ishmael. And I might have grabbed a hold of, of the things that I shouldn't have grabbed a hold of. But our oh, Romans 8.28 says that you work all things for the good of those who love and believe in you are called according to your purpose. You see, that even when we made a mistake, it's okay to repent and go back to where you were. You see, the one thing I realized that when I grabbed the hold of Ishmael's hand and I went down that road, is that Jesus never left. He stayed right where he was. And I hear people saying, oh, I just feel like God's not answering my prayers, like God has left me. No, 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 he's still exactly where you left him last time. You see the problem that we have in church life, and I'm going to say this in the last way possible, is this, that we love, but we've lost our first love. You see, 23 years in ministry, and last week, I had to just wake up and realize that I mustn't go back to the back seat from like three years ago. I need to go all the way back to why I started seeing in the first place. I'm going to go right back to why I fell in love with Jesus. What he did for me and what he was still about to do for me. You see, I'm not a halfway thing of, well, well, God, we've messed up those 20 years. No, 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 no. And we all know that day we got saved. We all know that day that we gave our life to Jesus. I see Jethro sitting here. I remember forget Jethro. Remember when you mighty men? 13, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, eh? Yeah. 12 years ago. We went a little hole across the road and we took over 120 men to Mighty Men in Great Town. We hired a bus. Those luxury buses. <laughs> and all that was those cold showers. Mom. Yeah, there was been about 12, 13 at the time. My son was 12 years old. Another was sleeping with a bag in the back on the way. And I'm not telling you this because I'm where I was. I'm telling you where, where, where we're about to go. Yes. You see, because even that seed, even though that seed has been dormant for 12 or 13 years in my life, I just know that that seed can still produce after it's been buried. Yes. It can still produce 160 or 30 fold of what happened there. Absolutely. And I've got to believe that God is still producing in those men's lives that went after us. 160 or 34 today. And if not, well then it's time to get out of your shell. It's time to become frustrated where you are. It's time to push a little bit. Because only when you push a little bit, you break the shell. Okay? You start to stick your little head. <laughs> out the corner there and you start to wiggle your way to the surface. You break that soil. <coughs> I don't want to do that again. There's a big difference between being buried and planted. There's a big difference why everything isn't falling into place for you. Remember, 
The enemy cannot take your blessings. The enemy cannot steal your blessings. The enemy can do nothing with your blessings except hide them. You see, because they're not his to take away from you. I don't know about you, but we're coming to an incredibly season, exciting season in life. Incredibly exciting season in church life and, and in our personal lives. We come to a season where God's about to do something unbelievable. And in closing, and this doesn't often happen, but Bronwood said something interesting this morning. But he says we want to be present, but we don't want to live in his promise. Yes. Too many of you are present, and too little you are living in your promise. Come on, Corpus, what did God say to you, your future? Hey? What did God say? That's it. Don? Come on. Do you think you're sitting in this church and you were raised and you were brought here? Tony, just say, pull a chair. You come here just to be buried. I've been using it, not a cemetery. It's a video. It's a garden where we are right now. The house of God is a garden. When you walk in that thing and you get planted, guess what? You're going to grow with your life with God. It all depends on you how much you want God to grow you. Or how much you will allow God to grow you. Oh, because you know what? Sometimes God needs to prove. Let's not get you gone anything right now. But sometimes God needs to prove. And God needs to cut those lower lying leaves up. You know? So we get more space. And sometimes God needs to remove the tree next year because it's driving your space. And the pruning is terrible. The pruning is terrible, but you know, I don't know how many know about plants, but you know, if this is one branch here, and you cut it, you know what comes out of the plants? Two. Did you know that? Well, sometimes three. <laughs> but I know definitely two. I know that's how you're in a bush. And when it's done, you cut it short, and it shoots two. And you cut it again, and it shoots four. And you cut it again, and it shoots eight. You've been cut a little bit, eh? You've been pruned a little bit. Your fame is gone, your fortune is gone, your wealth is gone, your title is gone. The famous person that was on TV is gone. This hillbilly stuck in a borrowed church down in Shallow, <laughs> trying to work out what my next movie is. But I want to tell you, closing this, this week. I broke the soil. I want to tell you something this week I'm coming out. And maybe sometime that you, you come out. Maybe it's time that some of you break the shell of expectations and lies and hurt and sin in your life and you're a druggie and you're this and you're that and you're this. No, you're nothing. You're a promise inside of a shell. You're a promise that will not be destroyed. Yes. You're a promise that nobody can destroy. Let me tell you something in your seed. 
There is everything in you from generation to generation. There's good, there's bad, there's everything all mixed in. But nobody can change your seed to change who you are. God has a purpose, God has a plan, God has a calling on your life, but oh, Lordy Lord, please don't think you buried it, just know that you planted. You've got to break that shell. You've got to break that shell. You're going to want to grow. You want to see God do things in your life. You've got to wake up. You see, as Bronwyn said, I don't want you guys to be present on a Sunday. I want you guys to be here with a purpose on a Sunday. And I want you to start living the purpose of God. And yes, you've been frustrated. Ten years, nothing has happened. Ten years, nothing has happened. Five years, nothing has happened. In fact, good, things have got worse. You know, I'll tell you something. Things always get worse before they get better. There's a massive fight that a better fight to go through to get out of that food. There's a massive fight for that little chicken to break their head. There's a massive fight for that baby to be born from a mother. It's a struggle. It's a life and death situation. And I want to tell you, you're in a life and death situation right now, and I choose life. And you need to choose life. Do what God is doing. Can we stand?